food is a lens into culture, and it's certainly one way that we can all relate to one another. It's very universal. And that's why it's forever inspiring to me. And I never really get bored of it. Welcome back to season three of the Badass Roadmap. I'm Mads that I'm flying solo today. This is a podcast for creative business owners, your guide for running your business, being a creative, and living a kick-ass life. Today, we're talking with Marcella Kriebel. She's an artist and author known for her series of watercolors, illustrated cookbooks, and murals that celebrate our world through the lens of food and culture. Thank you for being here today. Hey, thank you for having me. I feel so honored that you invited me onto your podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Uh, Selfishly, I was like, we're going to have her so that I can pick her brain and ask her a ton of questions. Yeah, (laughs) I'm an open book. I I love answering questions and also just sort of demystifying what it is to be a full-time artist and like (laughs) figure it out as we go. So, yeah. Um, I was looking at your little bio before we were recording and I almost put in that you're Washington DC based but technically that's not true it's not not. well it is I I run and operate a DC based business and Mm -hmm. I am bi-coastal at this point you know I'm I'm a DC resident but I'm spending more time on the west coast in the town of Hood River Oregon Mm -hmm. Uh, my partner has a job here so Thinking about things really seasonally is a big Mm -hmm. thing for me at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. I run things satellite. I have a team of three folks in D.C. that help with, like, online fulfillment and our open shop hours. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we have have standard operating procedures in place. (laughs) So, and and weekly meetings. So it's very much, um, it's a little team. It's not just me, but... um, I am spending more time on the West Coast. Bombshell. Yeah. That's so cool. I um, <laughs> so. As you were saying all of that and that you have a team of three, it's kind of occurring to me that I guess Tori was similar, mm-hmm. but um, you might be the first person that we have. You know what? No, that's not correct. Cynthia also works with a team. Um, I was going to say you're the only person we've interviewed that has like a full team Uh, I feel like a lot of the people we talk to are like solo entrepreneurs or like work with other contractors, but for the most part, they're running their business by themselves. Um, And I feel like that's a whole separate skill set and dynamic to have a team of people working for you. I would agree with that. Also to like go from being a person where it's like you, you are the entire business and then transitioning into having a team is also kind of a, a unique place to be in it is it's a matter of delegation for me Mm -hmm. and also just staying one step ahead yeah so that we can be efficient and I can be as clear as possible with Mm -hmm. what needs to be achieved kind of on a daily basis in shop nice I have 
about a million follow-up questions because I love asking <laughs> yes. questions. Um, but before we go too far down that road, I need to ask like the intro questions. Let's um, do it. Which is, we have three intro questions that we like to ask. One, which is, where are you based? Which we kind of already touched on. Two is, what does the government think you do for a living? <laughs> so, like, how do you classify yourself? I know, like, business owners wear so many goddamn hats. Yes. Um, and so it's like to... To just kind of be like, uh, I kind of fall under this one umbrella. And then the last question is, what's your favorite road trip snack? Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, let's go in reverse. Because okay. <laughs> okay. road trip snack is straight up at the forefront of my mind. I okay. um, once took a road trip called the Enjoy Every Sandwich road trip, which uh, I, love I feel like there's never any end to this, but there mm -hmm. legitimately was a trip that I took where my partner Christopher and I found the best sandwich in every city that we stopped. Mm -hmm. uh, and that definitely, I think, is the most diverse road trip uh, snack <laughs> or edible. And it's really fun to think about things regionally, too. So yeah. anytime when you can get like regionally specific with what you're eating, I think mm -hmm. it makes it more interesting. And... I don't know, you know, in the South, like in Charleston, we had pimento cheese mm -hmm. uh, sandwich, right? And mm -hmm. um, of course, going through Texas, we had to have Texas barbecue. Mm -hmm. uh, New Orleans, there was the muffaletta. Mm -hmm. List could go on and on. But I would say, undoubtedly, the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I love for that. For my so favorite much. snack. I love that it has a title, too. Like, I'm a sucker for. Um, making not dumb designs but like taking something <laughs> dumb and be like i'm gonna design the shit out of this i'm gonna turn Fuck it yeah. into a t-shirt <laughs> so i'm surprised do you have t-shirts for the um enjoy every sandwich road trip i've never made a t-shirt what as a product you know interesting well it doesn't have it to time. be it doesn't have to be like a product that you sell it's like t-shirts that i make for my friends and family <laughs> yeah for like no reason I, I have a design that says enjoy every sandwich uh, that I created. Okay. It's a watercolor image, so it's raster, um, which is limiting, as we know, technically. Mm -hmm. um, that is actually a direct quote from Warren Zevon, who is uh -huh. a, a rock star that passed away from stage four cancer, actually. Mm -hmm. And this, this story is taking a turn. Um, <laughs> but it's actually really amazing. Uh, so Warren Zevon went on the David Letterman late night show, mm -hmm. just as, uh, you know, an artist does. And David Letterman asked him about, with regards to his cancer, he said, now that you're aware of your own mortality, do you have any advice for the rest of us? And without hesitation, Warren Zevon responds, enjoy every sandwich. And it was one of those like crazy late night highlights, YouTube, you know, clips. Yeah. Um, but oh, I've definitely, so I kind of take that quote with me wherever I go <laughs> in life and physically. Um, <laughs> yeah. To go that on a tangent. Is, no, no, no. That was perfect. That's like a, a manifesto. That's like, totally. that's it. That's, that's <laughs> the, that's the tweet. That's the whole thing. You don't need anything else. We can just end this interview right there. <laughs> just be like, and the takeaway yeah. folks yeah. for your business and for life is to enjoy every sandwich. No doubt. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely 
it's definitely something I live by. That's so cool. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, what does the government think you do for a living? Uh, this one isn't as unique or original, but I think it's that checkbox that says, like, independent artists, writers actors or something which makes me sound like I'm in the circus I think <laughs> I mean are you not you've got your you've got oh, your yeah. little circus animals running around in the background and it's true yeah <laughs> I have two small kittens that totally run the show they're so the ringmasters over here <laughs> you're the talent they're the they're the leaders yeah <laughs> I love that um yeah I think that's I I phrased it that way because I didn't, I know that like being in DC, what do you do gets such a bad rap. It's a classic DC question. It is a classic sure. DC question, <laughs> but I am here to defend it. I love that question because yeah. people do such interesting things in this city and I want to know more about that. And mm -hmm. I don't I, like... I don't understand how consulting is a career. And so I would like to get to the bottom of it and ask you questions. But most people who are consultants are like, I don't know how to tell you what I do. So they get paid a lot more for being a consultant that we know. <laughs> Certainly they do. Certainly they do. But yeah. I don't know. I love hearing people like talk about um, what they do and uh, I think it, I think it can tell you a lot about a person, how they spend their time and their days um and that's all conversations are just like trying to get to know people and, and see who they are behind all the facts and totally yes <laughs> it's not just one elevator pitch there's much more to it right <laughs> yeah um so then we like to introduce people to kind of like the dynamic between us so then we say how do we meet how have we become connected yeah. And you and I, like, were only officially introduced not too long ago in December. It's true. I think I've seen your art perhaps mm -hmm. at, like, Shop Made in D.C. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Tori put a little bug in my ear about talking with you about mural stuff. Mm -hmm. Because... At the time, I was looking for some help. Mm -hmm. um, it's always a wonderful thing when you have business coming to you and you want to you wanna do it, but you know you aren't like Supergirl and you can't do it all. Yeah. And um, working with like-minded folks who come uh, very well regarded from people you trust mm -hmm. is definitely, I think, a... Um, a smart, a smart way to move forward in business and in life, right? Yeah. So I think Tori was like, you should talk to Madeline. She's a super talented muralist. Um, I think that, I think that there's, there's more here, you know, more there. And so, um, yeah, I think we officially met when we were at the Herrick House uh, holiday show, which yeah. was a fun one. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, it was funny because I ended up like, I ended up hiring you, and you mm -hmm. assisted with production on the Call Your Mother mural on Connecticut Avenue, mm -hmm. which I designed and kind of, oh, project managed, I suppose you could say. <laughs> <laughs> and you you painted it. Yeah. 
Yeah. That one was a fun <laughs> one. Um, that was such a fun market. Um, yeah. That was my first time being there. Um, and I was in the garden. Um, so I was there for all three days. And you were there. And Tori was there. And um, who else was there? I feel like everyone oh, was there. Carlos like, yeah. was there and mm-hmm. JC was there and it was it was really cool. Sam Testa was there and Adam Godet. Was, uh-huh. Yeah, Adam he Godet, was also there. Woodworker, so we yeah. had Yeah. And so it was like Great all of crew. these like DC people that I'm like connected with on Instagram and I like to joke that you guys are my colleagues that like because we don't oh, yeah. really have, like, co-workers <laughs> or anything. We don't have, like, water cooler chats or anything. And um, I remember I was having this issue. I had this, like, folding pegboard screen that I had, like, um, hooks and uh, that I was hanging bracelets and stickers from. And I was like, oh, I'm so nervous about this blowing over in the wind. And you came over, and I was like, how do I fix this thing? And, like, we had just been Ah. introduced. And you were like, oh, you should put some brackets at the bottom. Which, And then the next day I went to Home Depot and got brackets and, like, did your fix. Yes. And I was like, people who do markets are the smartest, most (laughs) ingenious people. Like, you have a problem, and you tell them, and you're like, hey, I've got this thing. This is what I'm worried about. How do I solve it? And I feel like doing markets is, like, necessity is the mother of invention. And so, like, people who've done enough markets know how to fix things, like, ten different ways to Sunday. And um, (laughs) it was a genius fix and one that I will take with me for forever. And that's how we met. I love that. I think that that (laughs) is also just a fun marker because it's, like, here lies a problem. And then mm-hmm. there's a solution. And mm-hmm. that is what defines, you know, the beginning of a relationship. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is true. And somebody, I think, again, this says a lot about the character of a person that you were willing to be like, oh, yeah, like, I think that you should do this. And, like, you provided a, a very quick and easy solution. And oh, thank you. That says a lot. Of, <laughs> I don't know. It says a lot about a person rather than being like, man, I don't know, that sucks. I hope you figure it out. Like, good luck, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, man. I grew up in a family of tinkerers and project-based people. Mm, Okay. (laughs) So um, my my dad's a woodworker. My mom's a fiber artist. And so I I have a knowledge of a lot of different materials, but building stuff is particularly fun to me. Before being a self employed artist, I worked for an art handling company where I built mounts for objects Uh and artifacts, which can be really big and heavy or really teeny and tiny, Uh like Martha Washington's earring. (laughs) That's Um, so cool. Yeah. So I I learned how to solder when I was um, in Ecuador Mm -hmm. uh, after college, and so I had a knowledge base of soldering and metal smithing and so that was very transferable to um to making mounts in a museum setting mm-hmm. anyway go in on a on a <laughs> tangent here but but like brackets and like uh-huh. hard connects to like different materials and stuff mm-hmm. is totally my bag it's fun to to think through solutions and also um understand what your elements are right you like yeah. uh, with this folding folding uh, display of yours was like you had wind going from all directions Mm -hmm. we were on a grass and hay layered 
uneven surface in a garden. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like, yeah, there were, there were several variables here. Not to mention it was cold, but it was cold. Yeah. I also remember that day I was so anxious. Yeah. Um, and I was like talking to friends about it and they were like, what is going on here? Like you have done markets before. Like, and I, my anxiety was like through the roof Aww. and I was like, this is just, it's, it's new to me. I haven't done a multi-day market and it, it was like all of these things. And so I, I was having a friend kind of like talk me through like, okay, what do you know? What are the variables that you know? And I was like, I know that I am going to know people there. I know Tori's going to be there. I know Carlos is going to be there. At that point, those were the only two people. Yeah. And I was like, I know that if something goes awry, I have people around me who will support me and help me figure it out. And then no by doubt. the end of the first night, which was a Friday night, so it was a shorter, like, four hours maybe, I immediately felt so much better. And you had, like, helped solve that problem. And, like, Adam and Sam had stopped by. And, and I just felt so, like, surrounded and supported um, by the DC creative community. And I was like... We've got what? a good crew. We yeah. really do. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's super supportive and just, like, I didn't know what was... I think that was what I was scared of is like, I don't know what's going to go wrong. I don't know what's going to happen. There's like fear of the unknown, but just kind of remembering that like, I have people here who I can ask for help and they're really good at solving problems and they will help me figure it out. Totally. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot, there's a really strong contingent of artists, makers and supportive people just mm -hmm. within the district alone. And that is where, that's really kind of the hotbed of, of the maker community, you know, for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, not to mention like being in Brookland at the Arts Walk where my little retail shop is, mm -hmm. um, we've got a lovely community there that um, best time to visit there is Saturdays. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of wonderful people just within this, like, uh, kind of a walking promenade where there's mm -hmm. 26 studios, where territory is as well. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, feel very supported. Totally. Um, did you, so when you were doing, what did you say, art handling? Art display? <laughs> yeah, art, 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 hand art handling. Yeah. Art handling. Yeah. Was that here in D.C.? It was, yeah. So I moved to D.C. in 2009, mm -hmm. and I was, a, I was an intern at the Smithsonian American Art Museum mm -hmm. for eight months, I believe, mm -hmm. and that was unpaid. So <laughs> I worked at Trader Joe's like 30 hours a week during mm -hmm. this unpaid internship, which, oh, looking back at it, I'm like, oh, my God, unpaid internship. That is just the worst um, it was an amazing, the best experience, but morally I'm so opposed to understanding <laughs> it's like free labor. Anyway, um, that got my foot in the door, you know, mm -hmm. to museum services stuff. And mm -hmm. after that experience, I got a job as a contractor through, okay. um, again, a private entity that got these labor contracts with Smithsonian. So mm -hmm. I was able to do, um, have an experience that was install, deinstall of different art exhibitions and history exhibits and stuff all over DC in both public and private museums, not just Smithsonian. Mm -hmm. um, I once, you know, traveled a show called Discover, Discover the Real George Washington for <laughs> the ladies of Mount Vernon, which was why I was talking about the Martha Washington's earring. Mm -hmm. 
but um, it was a really fun project-based mm-hmm. career and um, making these specific little little mounts where mm-hmm. it would perhaps the stand would raise this object two inches from the deck and angle it 20 degrees to the left just Mm -hmm. so and then it would also be painted to be obscured from you know your first impression Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was really it was a really fun fun kind of project where you're making these objects that are designed not to be seen but to Mm -hmm. also um, just present this artifact in a very eye-pleasing and uh, safe manner as well (laughs) that's an interesting juxtaposition of like not being seen but also making something more visible yeah and it's like this it's a really cool paradox to think about like it is kind of the point not always but like that can kind of sometimes depending on the piece be part of art um depending on like what the the use case is and like who the audience is and you want to make something that like is visible but also Right. You know, you don't see, like, the strings behind the curtain. No. Not to mention that in uh, California, mm-hmm. there are seismic requirements because there are earthquakes. Oh! <laughs> so something has to be uh, safe in the case of, you know, an earthquake, which yeah. means it's got to be somehow secured not only from below but from above, in a way, so it won't, like, hop out of this said mount. Anyway, weird, fun. What an Life's full of projects and challenges, background. which I, I genuinely enjoy. Um, yeah. Um, so, how did you transition from that into being a full time? Um, what did you say the box you checked was? Uh, artist <laughs> slash independent artist slash independent writer artist. slash actor. Juggling, juggling. <laughs> yeah. uh, after I got laid off from that job, I was unemployed for like a year Mm. and during that period of time I developed this illustrated cookbook which was a compilation Mm. of all of these kind of more refined illustrated recipes that are from times of travel Mm -hmm. so throughout you know after I graduated college and during this art handling gig Mm -hmm. I was traveling a bunch and as a cultural anthropology studio art major with a Latin American focus, uh, I kept returning to Latin America because I had Spanish language under my belt mm-hmm. and really um, connected so so much with mm-hmm. Latin American culture. And so every time I traveled, I would find myself in the kitchen because mm-hmm. that is a way to connect with folks through food, right? I mean... Mm-hmm. Uh, preparing meals, eating all these different classic recipes, um, mm-hmm. and then talking things through with folks is really a wonderful way to break the ice. Uh-huh. And so I documented those experiences. And so, you know, back to the self-employed period, I took all these sketchbook journals and refined those mm-hmm. and created a recipe book. So mm-hmm. at the conclusion of the, you know, unemployed year, so it's like mm-hmm. November of, uh, excuse me, what is it, 20, this is a long time ago, 2012, (laughs) Uh I launched a Kickstarter campaign, and Mm -hmm. that is what bankrolled the first printings, the self-published printing of Comida Latina, Mm -hmm. and so it was 
well-timed in that it was a you know Christmas gift. People got their uh, their books in time for Christmas, mm -hmm. and it was also a way in which I could create this book. So really, um, pay for mm -hmm. uh, you know the printing of this book. So after that, it got picked up by a publisher and. It was that time when I started making art prints to complement the illustrated cookbook, mm -hmm. and it sort of snowballed from there. Yeah. Uh, after that, there was Comida Cubana, which was a published project pitched to me by the publisher that picked up the first book. And mm -hmm. so that was much more of an intentional kind of research project where I went to Cuba and cooked with people in their homes, and again, learning about the culture through food was my introduction to the mm -hmm. island and its people. And the book is very much a equal parts short storytelling, recipes, and artwork. So every spread is a different composition mm -hmm. and full of classic dishes and first-person storytelling in my experience. So these two books I consider kind of foundational to uh -huh. my collection of, what, of goods. And... That, those are the reasons why most of my subject matter in my art prints and stationery and kitchen towels is all food-related. Yeah. So. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I was reading your the form that you filled out, and I was surprised to see that um, you have a degree in anthropology and, and you, like, mentioned food as kind of, like, this, this thing that brings us together. And... There are like these things that I like know about you and then you kind of like lay them all out and I'm like, oh, that makes <laughs> sense. And so when you were talking about food, I was like, oh, yeah, she does have a lot of food stuff. And then, uh, and then the, like the anthropology, like from the anthropology aspect of like how it, like yeah. you said, it just kind of like opens people up and it opens up a culture to kind of like understanding it better. Yes. Food is a lens into culture and it's certainly one way that we can all relate to one another. It's mm -hmm. very universal. And that's why it's forever inspiring to me. Mm -hmm. And I never really get bored of it, truthfully. <laughs> I really, like, there's always something more to explore. And I do really embrace and enjoy the research as much as the art making. Mm -hmm. I love to weave in hand-drawn text into my compositions to not only you know, inform, but also educate others and kind of narrate what it is that I've learned. I am going to like ask, not a personal question, but yes. like this is coming from me personally. Um, I saw that you were working on the flowers of the Pacific Northwest. Yes. Is that the sketch you're working on right now? It is. How do you feel? Because I feel like I've seen, um, maybe not in like, your recent works I know you're working on it recently but I feel like you've also added in like flora and fauna and herbs and like that sort of thing do you see that like fitting into the food is what binds us and like opens up culture like do you how do you see that fitting in or is it just kind of it's like all about it's all about relating to others mm -hmm. and I think that there's a strong sense of place just with nature as there is with food mm-hmm so I think earlier on, one of the designs that people really relate to is, or that really they love is my edible flowers print. Mm -hmm. And um, I think from a sales standpoint, florals are always a strong one, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And so thinking regionally about 
nature is one other way in which um, I can relate to others. Mm -hmm. So I did um, the native plants of the Mid-Atlantic, mm -hmm. and I'm now working on the native plants of Pacific Northwest. Of course, it's like, it's one composition, and you have to curate it. There's can't fit everything in there, but <laughs> thinking about color and, you know, the harmony of the scale of all these different plants and how they sort of weave together into this dynamic composition stylistically is where my mind's at when I do those. That is really cool to see the, like, thought process and the influence behind your products because, um, one, I feel like we have talked a lot of to a lot of service-based business owners and uh -huh. we don't talk as much to product-based business owners and there's a lot of different ways to run a product-based business and that's why yes. this podcast is called references roadmaps because we all have our different roadmaps so we're trying to share these roadmaps with other people so that they can be like okay maybe I'm a little bit of Marcella but maybe I'm also a little bit of Madeline but maybe I'm a little bit of Tori but maybe I'm a little bit of Jess and then kind of taking all of these different roadmaps and then creating a hodgepodge of your own yeah and one thing for me as a product-based business owner I'm trying to figure out okay where do I go from here what do I look at next how do I create a series how do I create you know, Tori has her maps and you have your food. And how do I create that thing for me that yep. is kind of like not self-sustaining, but just kind of like regenerative and like keeps going and like not that it ever gets old, but like kind of is evergreen and has both commercial appeal um, while also being something that is important to me. And it's really cool to see through your lens that there's kind of like this through line behind it of like okay how do we how do we reach people where they're at what's important to them their culture like food is that thing for all people but also florals also like regional pride um yeah it's it's really cool to see that you've you've said so much <laughs> and i feel like i feel like you're your hands are like on that rope and you're like pulling yourself forward, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, and I, in that, in that you're, 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 it's a, it's a matter of finding your voice. Sure. And that mm. is, that is such a hard thing to do. But the thing that I always come back to is whatever it is that you enjoy most is mm -hmm. what you're going to undoubtedly continue to do. Yeah. Um, and finding the why is what's going to kind of make you do it longer. Yeah. So, right. And I, I, I can't tell anybody what it is, that, <laughs> that, what that is for them, right? But if you enjoy doing it and you find yourself losing yourself a little bit in, albeit perhaps it's the technical process mm -hmm. or it's the, um, the subject matter exploration Mm -hmm. kind of avenue if there's some facet of it that you find yourself genuinely enjoying where you lose track of time like I think that is a wonderful indicator for something that you should keep going with um, and then the other side of it is this idea of or you're saying you know you, you mentioned it it's like okay, how is it that these pieces are going to be something that is evergreen or perhaps mm -hmm. something that 
will the public or, you know, your, your customers are always going to respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a trial and error thing. And, <laughs> oh, my God. The, the most constructive thing for me mm-hmm. coming from a business that makes the majority of my revenue t- in person to, like, mm-hmm. doing more online sales, um, which, all told, I'm still more profitable in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to grow more online, right? Yeah. I think, you know watching your customer flip through your collection and seeing how they respond in mm-hmm. real life is mm-hmm. so constructive, so helpful. And to, to recognizing, you know, firsthand what is appealing to others. Yeah. And so that's going to be perhaps that hint of which direction you should continue to pursue. Mm-hmm. What is it that people are really responding to? And if there's one particular style or product that seems mm-hmm. to be quite appealing to people, maybe that's where you focus most of your energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, I don't know, that's, that may be obvious, but sometimes thinking about, say you're having like a really shitty market, like uh-huh. you're, at a, you're <laughs> at a street fair where you're like, yes. oh my God, I thought this was gonna be better than it is. Mm-hmm. Maybe sales aren't great, but engaging your customer and seeing what it is that they are excited about is excellent research and not something to be discounted. That's really mm-hmm. constructive time, mm-hmm. um, like boots on the ground, looking, looking and being observant of what, what your customers are excited and interested in. You know, even, if it is, even if it doesn't end up in a sale, it's all still research and good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know if that uh, helped. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It's interesting because we interviewed um, Claire Vendetti earlier this season, who is also a big proponent of markets, and yeah. she and I do accountability calls. So I don't think we talked about this in the interview that we did, but she and I have talked about it recently, I think offline, in our accountability calls, where I was like, I am just fascinated by the fan base and the audience that you have, they're so engaged. Like, I feel like I have a decent audience, but I don't think they're nearly as engaged. I think they're trending that way, but I don't think they started there. And Claire was talking about how that just kind of like comes from markets and, and it's helped her build her business into what it is, this thing that can sustain her. Um, and yeah. so Your I, you most know. loyal customers are going to be the ones that meet you in person first. Mm-hmm. I would say that on average is true. Um, and they're going to be the people that are most engaged and excited online. Yeah. Okay. That was going to be my question. If you find that they like convert, if you see them at markets, do they then like follow you and then buy from you online or are they mostly just like yeah. in person? It's hard to, it's hard to measure, right? I mean, yeah. how people find you online, but I do notice that there are bumps after markets Mm-hmm. On, you know, in terms of online sales. And oftentimes people will be vocal, like they'll reach out and be like, oh my God, I was thinking about, you know, buying this in person. And then of course you get the sale at like 2 a.m., mm-hmm. you know, the next <laughs> day or so. And people are like, uh, we're, you know, or people, you're, you're my, my little team, my, you know, my, my few people that work for me are like, where did this come from? Like, well, it's because we had that, you know, we had that market and, um, yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. Um, anyway, talking a little bit more about markets, I think it's super interesting. Um, I think Tori was telling me this. You guys 
were I'm trying to think of like how to phrase this you were like me to tell our story (laughs) you can tell your story Uh, what I'm trying to get at is I'm trying to set up you have a seasonality approach you go balls to the wall hard in the winter I don't understand I look at you guys and I'm like (laughs) how I'm like doing three markets and I feel like my head's gonna fall off y'all are at like 10 multiple multi-day markets like it's I, 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 yeah, go ahead. You tell the story, your words, you do the words. I wouldn't say 10, but like, I think that, um, first of all, I lean in hard to the seasonality (laughs) thing. I really, I think in terms of sustaining what it is that I do, it's the most effective way for me to enjoy life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, you know, my life pie right now it's mm-hmm. what month that we're in like almost april like so it's yeah. gonna start heating up sooner in the spring mm-hmm. but like january through march like i chill out i you know i did release my spring greeting cards mm-hmm. um and then i'm working on more me projects but like mm-hmm. it's not nearly as retail focused i really don't do events mm-hmm. um i know that they're not going to be as lucrative i look at my sales from previous years and I recognize like more and more that it really just is really all about the fourth quarter for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like Tori, <laughs> Tori and I, um, we feel very, I think she recognizes that it is the most lucrative time for, for territory as well. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, we have a very similar approach in that the multi-day markets are easier to do than a bunch of little one-day markets um, mm-hmm. because we don't have to set up and take down mm-hmm. every single day, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you know is quite yeah. <laughs> quite trying. You know, um, yeah. to have to like schlep from your car every single mm-hmm. morning and every single night, I, I wouldn't do it. But mm-hmm. um, to have a five-week market that's continuous, where you can open up the doors and because it's gift giving season, your average take home is going to be greater than if you were doing a market in the spring, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, so that's, I really do focus more on in-person sales and festivals and stuff like fall into holiday for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I was talking to her about this last year around this time and she was talking about, you know, because y'all were downtown holiday market. And then this was what it was. You guys were mm-hmm. also in Baltimore and also in Philly. So you were in multi-cities, yes. multi-day markets, and the logistics of it is huge. But it is. also, one, like you said, you kind of have a similar approach. So, like, you're not really going it alone. Like, you have someone who's right. in the trenches with you who can kind of help maybe catch stuff that's fallen through the cracks Um, she had mentioned to me that you guys put together a pretty good team that you felt like strong about, um, hiring good people is key (laughs) (laughs) and setting them up, setting them up for success is also like critical, you know, um, the relationship of hiring someone seasonally means, you know, they need to be a great salesperson Mm -hmm. and you need to set up systems so that they can they can do the best job possible. So Mm -hmm. it still ultimately is on us to create these operating procedures and, you know, opening and closing 
mm-hmm. um, documents. This is how you do things, and <laughs> so on and so forth. So, yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, how far out do you start thinking about that sort of thing? Is it like two weeks before, a month before? In quarter three, you're like, okay, I know quarter four, this is what we're going for, so we need to start thinking about it now. When you start hiring, what is for the hiring? like lead up time for all of it? Just to kind of like start thinking about it. Uh, for products, it starts in the summertime. Okay. Uh, in terms of like design and production, for mm-hmm. sure. And mm-hmm. then um, I release a calendar every year. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I will do all that legwork. And that is my principal fundraiser annually mm-hmm. as well. So 100% of the profits of our calendar goes to a selected nonprofit each year. So that, mm-hmm. the calendar is my big thing that I do in the summer that like releases in the late fall. Okay. Um, and then also any other holiday products, I'll certainly think those through in the summertime. Mm-hmm. When it comes to like operating procedures and stuff, um, a lot of that stuff we can use over and over again. So refining okay. what it is we already have from like a document standpoint, mm-hmm. Um, it just gets better. It just gets more organized because <laughs> you, you recognize, you know, what's failed, what didn't, what we could do better on and, and just, re, you know, refine um, these steps. Uh, yeah. Uh, one of um, business mentor that uh, I think about a lot, um, Holly, oh gosh, yeah. I feel like, okay, so Tori... Tori and I also, Tori has um, the same mentor. Her Mm -hmm. business is called Ask Holly How. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that sticks with me from Holly is this phrase of clarity is kindness. Mm. And that phrase, I'll say it again, clarity is kindness, is certainly something that I apply to standard operating procedures as Mm -hmm. well as just directions with anyone. Albeit, you know, employees, contractors, family, the more specific that you can be, the less gray area there is. And the greater opportunity for success or optimal outcome mm-hmm. is present. So, yeah. So, anyway, clarity is kindness. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, um, I just wrote it down on my little post-it yeah. note for, to keep on my desk because that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, as far as the preparing for m- m- holiday season, hiring is very, very time sensitive. Um, mm-hmm. You can't hire people too far in advance because their schedules change. Yeah. But naturally, you want to be prepared a few weeks before so that you're not like scrambling and you're left with a hole in your schedule. So, yeah. I don't know, you know, a month out, basically. <laughs> well I mean my question was kind of like it was like how far out do you hire but also like Mm -hmm. I think I was just kind of trying to see more like the shape that your your year takes Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's yeah I don't know it's it's an interesting case study I've learned a lot from you guys watching the way you run your businesses because it's just like so well, you are also a 10-year business, right? Have you had your 10 years? Yes. Okay. Yes. 10-year plus? How many I guess years? it's 10-year plus. I'm terrible at math. I guess. <laughs> so my cookbook released in the conclusion of 2012. Okay. So yeah, yeah. we're in 2023. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think that I applied for my DC business license, like, Jan 1 of 2013. So there you have it. Okay. So yeah. that's, like, the official start date. Yeah. Um, so you have, like, a lot of data to draw from. And, and I, I have gotten a lot out of... Uh, looking to Tori as a mentor and also you in a way to like see the way that you guys run your business. And I've learned a lot, even just by knowing that there are options out there that like it, it does, my business doesn't have to look like your business by any stretch of the imagination, but it could look a little bit halfway, a quarter, like a third, Mm -hmm. and just kind of like playing with those different percentages. And um, yeah, I don't know. You paint denim jackets like that is so amazing and awesome and something that I've never done but it is something (laughs) that you are awesome at and is super unique and memorable and it's just another like it's another offering something I often tell people when they're like first starting out or going I'm gonna quit my job and become a full-time artist Mm -hmm. I always say make sure that you always have multiple avenues of revenue Mm-hmm. So that if something slows, you can pivot and really pour all your time and energy into another channel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't paint on denim jackets, but that's certainly <laughs> one of your avenues. <laughs> I'm not saying maybe that's not like your bread and butter, but it's one of those cool things that lends texture and medium to your brand mm-hmm. and who you are. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm certainly well-founded in the theme of food, right? <laughs> and so naturally... Uh, I, I will do a commission here and there and do Mm -hmm. folks illustrated recipes for grandma's chocolate chip cookies or whatever. (laughs) I don't really promote that, um, because I don't need to. There's people that come to me all the time because they see my open edition series of prints and go, oh my gosh, I want my own unique recipe. So yes, Mm -hmm. I do some original art sometimes Mm -hmm. as commission work, uh, but it's not my bread and butter. Yeah. But it's one of those avenues, you know. Um, so, yeah, wholesale, retail, direct-to-consumer, um, online. So my Shopify website and Etsy. Um, workshops and teaching. I love yeah. teaching. I love teaching, but I wouldn't consider that, like, a major moneymaker either. But mm-hmm. From a squishy emotional standpoint, I love sharing my skills and talents with others and seeing them progress. Yeah. So, yeah. I think uh, of, um, I think whenever I do workshops, I think of them as marketing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I'm, one, presenting myself. And like you said, like people just feel more inclined to buy from someone they know like when you can make that personal connection they want to support you and they want to support your work and I have had so many things come after a workshop so I did a workshop and I had someone reach out because they owned a restaurant and they needed signage done and so I like they heard that I mentioned that I did that and so they reached out and I got that job from that so like I sometimes I like look at workshops and I'm like, oh, well, it's not the same as like doing uh, a project that has a budget of like several thousand dollars. Like I'm really only making like a couple hundred dollars, Yeah. but I get human connection, which is uh, important when you work alone in a studio. Um, yep. And then I also get like 
the opportunity to market myself and, and meet new people and you never know where that's going to go. And then usually sometimes people will like then go to my website and like make a sale, buy something like it then gets turned into a customer. So I think of it as like any money that I would put towards a marketing budget <laughs> yeah. is what uh, instead I'm like doing with my time to do a workshop. Right. It's like all told maybe four hours of your time. You know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe you need to market a little bit before that. You have a two-hour yeah. workshop. You got to set up and take down. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, an untold amount of referrals or an opportunities may come from that one experience. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's just the power of in-person. <laughs> <laughs> the so, power yeah. of people, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Marcella, this has been a great conversation. I, like, have a million more questions, but... <laughs> I know that if I like start asking more questions, I'm just never going to stop. And then it's going to be like two hours of recording. Here it goes. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, we like to close and ask a couple of like closing questions. Um, sure. So what is next? What are you looking forward to in your business and your personal life? Like what projects do you have coming out soon that you want to talk about? What are we looking forward to? I am looking forward to, first and foremost, I have this book that I illustrated all last year Yes. called The Book of Cocktail Ratios, and it's written by Michael Ruhlman, Ooh. and I made all the art in the book, and it releases on the 23rd of May, and I'm so <gasps> pumped. Um, he and I are going to do an event in D.C., some sort mm-hmm. of book release, whatever, so mm-hmm. stay tuned for more info on that. Okay. And then I'm also selling the book on my website, and the first 50 people to buy the book through me get a special something from me, which is going to be fun. Ooh. Surprise, surprise, mystery. <laughs> I love surprise and mystery. Um, so that's big news. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as creative pursuits, there's always more art prints coming out. I just released mm-hmm. my spring collection of greeting cards. Um, what else? I don't know. I love my cats. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished up snowboarding, which is really fun. There's still more snowboarding to be had on Mount Hood. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm going back to D.C. soon and looking forward to kayaking in the Potomac River. Nice. Yeah. I've got a setup there at, in my friend's garage. And um, something I mentioned earlier is just this, or uh, like in our, in our, uh, what interview form that you sent me oh yeah it's just this idea that like going outside is such a mood booster mm-hmm. and i recognize that like activity outdoors is so critical to my mental health yeah and um as i get older that's just more and more punctuated to me <laughs> so that's what's going on i'm trying to spend as much time as i can outside i love that where do you paddle at where do you put in a yeah in dc lock six Okay. And then I really like Violet's Lock as well, which is farther north for, like, mm-hmm. a longer paddle. Um, lock 6 is great because there's this feeder canal, so there's this mm-hmm. wave that changes based on level. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's probably not many kayakers <laughs> listening to this, but it's pretty <laughs> exciting and dynamic because the feeder canal changes, so it's the same place, but it's different depending on level of water. Well, it's exciting to me. You know that I used to teach kayaking and lead tours. I didn't tours. know that. Get yeah. out. Are you kidding? You know what? 
You know I live on a houseboat, right? With like a bunch of paddle boards and kayaks. I did know that, but I didn't realize that kayaking was in mm-hmm. your quiver of activities, yeah. which makes yeah. total sense. Yeah, I used to. <laughs> didn't um, put that I used together. To lead tours, and so I, uh, I did a. There was last summer, two summers ago, I was potentially gonna work for this tour company. And they were going out of lock six and like yeah. feeding into the river and then yes. and doing a tour up there. But it just landed up like the timing didn't work out. It was I, logistically, I didn't really want to. Um, but I miss it a lot. I miss kayaking. Let's I have, go paddling next time. I know. That's why I was together. asking. I was like, where are you paddling at? Because yeah. like, I don't know, maybe I pop up. Yeah. Maybe I'm just like, hey, I'm here. More to come. I love yeah. That. I know. I, I love having like we talked with Tori about this, about like having something outside of your creative pursuits to kind of keep you sane that you can escape to whenever work gets too much to like avoid burnout to yeah, just kind of like change direction um, to have something to kind of like give your brain a break. And I don't really have that in the winter. I need to get better about that, but come summertime, I'm on the water all the time. I'm biking everywhere. I'm like outdoor as much as I can. So it seems like you have a better um, year-round approach than I do. It's evolving. <laughs> <laughs> but wherever you are, just go outside. You'll feel better. Yeah. Go walk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, last question yes. that we like to ask is, what is lighting you up this week? Mm. So... It can be anything. It doesn't have to be work-related. It can be something you're looking forward to, you're really excited about in your I just, um, I just listened to this podcast episode. A podcast that I listen to regularly is called On Being with Krista mm-hmm. Tippett. She's mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. And I listened to the episode where she interviews Nick Offerman. Oh, okay. And I highly recommend Okay. So enlightening and zen and um, exciting. I didn't, I've never like read his books or anything, but apparently Uh he's a woodworker. He's a big outdoorsman. Yeah, he's a big outdoorsman, but he also like keeps his own wood shop in Los Mm -hmm. Angeles and has like a team of fellow woodworkers. And (laughs) I don't know, it's so surprising, but he's Mm -hmm. just a wonderful human and an amazing person to just listen to. For an hour so i recommend that episode okay that definitely lit me up yeah i love that i'll have to go listen to it that podcast was funnily enough just recommended to me for the first time last mm. week oh that's um, so funny okay well, i know getting that. it's been around for a while like i'm not I'm not new to the train or anything but right? i just think it's funny because i had just listened to an episode last week and i really i really liked it it was the one where she's talking to someone who founded the man who founded uh Def Jam Records. I can't oh, think of his name. Um, his name escapes me. What's his name? Oh my god. Me too. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. You're going to say it and I'm going to be like, "Yeah, that's right because I worked in the music industry for like 4 years." And I was like, "Why does this man sound so familiar?" And then it turns Rick out Rubin. that Yeah, Rick yeah. Rubin. I'm like, um, "I know it's an R R." <laughs> All I could think of was Rick Roll and I knew that wasn't <laughs> it. <laughs> Um, but that was a good interview and I, I, I always love, um, interviews where they're talking to people about like their creative process and their thoughts on creativity because it's totally. fascinating and it's different for different people. So it's always cool to hear someone else's take. 
Agreed. Super um, cool. Well, that's it. That's all I've got. That's Thank it. you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and I don't know. We're very excited to have you, and we're excited to share this interview with the people. With the people. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you. <laughs> and I'll see you soon. <laughs> see you soon. Until next time.